I had about five Heineken bottles in front of me and I'm sweating, like eating bread rolls, dipping it in the stew, drinking the beers. And he breaks the silence after about 15 minutes and just looks straight at me and says, you look disgusting. Then I was waiting for the ground to just open up and get me out of there. And this was my little Harijuku moment. It was enormous. And I, and I still to this day remember the memories of just lying in bed going, nah, that's it. I'm Enough. done. Enough. I'm, I'm into it. Welcome back or welcome to another episode of the Success Times Happiness Podcast. I am your host, Richard Thompson. Today, we have Jamie Milne on the show. Jamie has a number of hats, as you will soon learn. But amongst other things, he is a high-performance mindset coach, a personal trainer, a business owner, a father, multiple world record holder, and is about to embark on a new world record attempt this coming weekend. Sit back and enjoy this chat. It was one of my favorites on the show so far. Jamie Milne. Here we go. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming on. Oh, Richard, thank you. We'll kick things off a little bit different as someone with your background, and I'd love to know what your morning routine looks like. Oh, wow. Um, very simple, mm-hmm. nothing too extravagant. I uh, roll a slide out of bed very early, so I'm an early riser, so anywhere between 3.30 and 4.30. I saw, I saw the read receipt on my text messages from this morning was very early. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the lawyer in you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me just check the, the, the smaller details. Yeah. yeah, so it was very early, um, half a lemon, and uh, lots of Himalayan sea salt in a schooner of water. Okay. That kicks it off. A uh, little bit of breath work, not a lot. Used, used to do a lot and sit there and huff and puff for a good half hour, but that sort of reduced now to only a few, few minutes. Um, I'm a big one on intention, so I go into the day uh, with a bit of intention, especially I just look at my list the night before. I'm already thinking about you know who I'm working with, the conversations I'm having, what where my attention's going and I find setting that up in the morning it allows my attention to sort of get in line with my intention Intention. as cliche as that sounds and that and that's pretty much it but I'm I'm early into it I'm into bed early at night I'm up early in the morning so I'm 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 getting the the most of the day I like that I like the 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 active intention Mm. sets you up because I think a lot of people would be going through the day going I'm just rolling through the punch, you know, rolling to the punches and not really yeah. giving that much consideration. Yeah, it's it, look, it's massive for me. Um, I'm fortunate uh, in my line of work. You know, I get to have conversations with people I actually like, so I, I really enjoy my work yeah. and and I take it seriously. Um, so I go into each session or, or meeting or something. Yeah, being very clear what I'm sort of bringing to to the equation mm-hmm. to the relationships. So, but that's, you know, that's a new thing. I'm talking like the last few years. It hasn't always been like that. Yeah. But, okay. But that's and then, the, so yeah. the intention's there and then that's the morning. Then you let the morning come at you or have you got anything else? I used to exercise in the morning, Richard, like a lot of people really early. Mm. But I sort of, as I've um, come up to the fourth floor uh, at 45 now, <laughs> I like to train in gentlemen's hours yeah. about 9am now. So quite fortunate with that. I, with my schedule, I can, I can make an adjustment for that. Yeah. So, yeah, the morning's a lot of, lot of planning, a lot of intention, two cups of black coffee, and that's about it, really. Beauty. Um, nice and simple. Mm-hmm. Now, you have a lot of hats. 
and a, you've, you've done a lot of things in your life and mm. currently right now are doing a lot of things. How mm. would you describe who you are? <laughs> Which is a really, really uh, open <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How would you describe? I'll try not to be ambiguous. <laughs> I'll try to be specific. If you've ever seen a Maori spin a thousand plates at once, that's, that's pretty <laughs> that's, much yeah, me. Yeah. A multi-layered, multi-faceted Maori. Um, look, yeah, you are right. I've got a, f- a few hats on. And I think like a lot of people, like I've gotten to a point in my life where I've shifted um, and you you talk about it a bit like pivoted you know I was a military man for quite some years and then into the fitness industry now into the mental performance industry and so I bring all of that together like I think of it like a mosaic like all these little different parts that make up the whole Mm -hmm. Um, and that works for me that like it really does work for me so I bring this does a beautiful maybe beautiful is not the word delicate blend of wisdom um life experience and formal education and mix that up like a jovial nature i'm very sort of happy-go-lucky most of the time lots of energy mm. sort of chuck that all in and you've got yourself a a broth of some description <laughs> a recipe <laughs> you've got some kind of recipe it's probably not macro balanced but it, it's still a broth uh, nonetheless with that mm tapestry of, of what makes you you mm. what's the goal oh my god you're very good at this uh the goal what's your purpose yeah my purpose look it truly is to make an impact like mm. to, to to really make a change i find i i have this unapologetic level of belief in in people like i like I really do. And when I start a relationship with somebody and we start working together, I, I really look to have their belief in themselves match the belief that I have for them. Because by the time I'm talking to somebody, there's already this indicator that they're ready for some change or they're looking, you know, that, that saying when the desire to change is greater than the desire to remain the same. change will happen happen. Mm -hmm. and it's not anything special that i do by any means it's just i'm there and they have someone that has that belief and i have that belief richard i think based off my experience my life experience i've had a very small handful of people believe in me at a time when i i I really didn't believe in myself Mm -hmm. and so that's enabled me that's you know perpetuated out to the work that i do and so I pride myself in that. And, and if I could summarise it in terms of purpose and intention, it's to guide, be a part of another person's journey to, to you know, realising they're so much more capable of anything. It could be business, could be their athletic endeavours, relationships, you know, anything. We, we're just limited by what's going on in between our ears. Uh, take me back to that period of time where you didn't believe in yourself then. If that's if that's what's shaped mm. your purpose now and the inspiration now, mm. what was the crucible moments in your life whereby you weren't you were at your lowest, I guess, or you didn't have that belief in yourself? Yeah, I had. Um, I remember reading Tim Ferriss's book, and I can't remember whether it was the Four Hour Workweek or the Four Hour Body or whatever it was back in the early days. And he talked about the Japanese having a, um, I, th- I could pronounce this wrong, so I apologise. This is my understanding of it. I think it was Harijuku. It was like a Harijuku moment. And basically it was re- represented by a complete, 
you know, change of course. There was a, a pivotal moment in one's life where you were heading down a particular pathway, this is where you were going, mm. and then bang, either an event happened or um, a significant emotional event happened and then we've gone in a completely different direction. And I, I had one of those moments. In fact, I probably had a couple, but they were very close together. So I was in the military, in the Navy for seven and a half years, uh, spent some time as a chef, uh, joined the Navy as a chef, pivoted to become a Navy diver, um, spent a little bit of time going down that pathway. And then I was getting myself set up to go into the police. I wanted to be a police diver. And I was quite young and short of a long story, um, I, I, I was heading down that wrong pathway enthusiastically, like a lot of men, like challenges with alcohol. Um, and so that was a real problem for me when I was younger. And so got into a bit of trouble, um, got into a, a drunken fight, um, which, you know, at the time I'd gone through all the police recruiting. I was ready to go. I made it to the commissioned interview. So it was ticking the box. Yeah. You, you're going to the police college on this day. And it was really in my favour because I was fit. I'd mm. come from the Navy diving school. They were like, oh, this guy's a rock star. This is perfect. Mm -hmm. and, then, <laughs> and then the Jamie part of me got in there and sort of got in the way. And that created a, a series of significant events. So obviously because I had gone, I had been arrested, I got what is in New Zealand it's called a diversion. So it's like your one chance before you get a criminal record. So I didn't get a criminal record, but in terms of, as you would well know, Richard, in terms of wanting to be a, a, a police officer, something to do with the law, like they're not having a bar of that. Mm. So they let me go. And I remember the... After all the ducks that were in a line for Completely. It. I remember I had the date, had the letter... And literally, yeah, so that was the same side the recruiter made. They're like, we have, in the history of New Zealand police, never had this happen before. Mm. Like, well done. You, <laughs> <laughs> literally, that's what she said. Wow. Look at me straight in the eyes, side, like, well done. You just ruined yourself a career. And, of course, my girlfriend was in the car outside waiting to see how the meeting went, and I came out, just looked her straight in the eyes and said, no, nah, they've dropped me. Like, that's it. And that began a very, very dark path. I started, you know, abusing alcohol. Um, I think I was about 75 kilos, right, like great shape. I went, travelled overseas, made my way through <laughs> God knows how many pies and field rolls and, I, and essentially I went from 75 kilos, very little body fat, to about 116 kilos wow. in exactly nine months. So it was kind of like getting pregnant without getting pregnant mm. um, on beer and pies. And I came home. It was my grandfather's 75th birthday, I think, something like that. So it was quite an important event. And I, my grandfather was my mentor. He was my exemplar. He was a guy that, an amazing man, did his last marathon, I think, at like 70 or 75 back when sort of senior citizens weren't running, running marathons. marathons. Yeah, yeah. And it took him like eight hours. Great. Like he was one of the last finished, like, you know, real rock star in my hometown, coach footy, refereed footy, mm -hmm. beautiful man. So I had a lot of respect for him. And back then there was no internet, no Facebook, no, you couldn't like send photos. Here's me in Westminster. Here's me at, you know, Trafalgar Square. So they hadn't seen me for nine months. Nine months since you were 75 kilo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then this perfect brown ball walks in the door at 116 dripping wet and my grandfather I remember looking at me 
didn't say anything, super quiet, which was unusual. We were sitting down at the table and I'll never forget it was oxtail stew. I had about five Heineken bottles in front of me and I'm sweating, like eating bread rolls, dipping it in the stew, drinking the beers. And he breaks the silence after about 15 minutes and just looks straight at me and says, you look disgusting. And I remember sitting there thinking, I wonder if he's talking to me. Like, wonder, wonder, was that <laughs> maybe he was, I don't know, yeah. Then I was waiting for the ground to just open up and get me out of there. And I sat with it and I thought, okay, I'll just like, I'll act like nothing's happened. I'll just filled roll or white roll into, yeah. the, into the stew. And then he says, where's my grandson? I, I can't even see you. I can't really, like you don't even look like him. Disgraceful. How old are you? So at that stage I was in my mid-20s. Wow. And I'm just like, and I, I politely got up. And I couldn't believe it was coming from He had yeah. never spoken to me like that in my whole life. Mm. Like honestly, Richard. So I start picking up the plates and cutlery and semi-clearing the table and I'm thinking I'm going to burst into tears. Like I just, everyone's looking, no one's saying anything. So I go out into the kitchen, I'm putting the plates and stuff away and my stepmom comes in trying to smooth things over and she says, oh, you know, your granddad maybe had a couple of beers. Don't look, look, honestly, don't take it to heart. Don't. I burst into tears. This is a very long story, but I go no, to bed. I go to bed that night. And I remember thinking to myself, and I'd had a few a few drinks, and I remember thinking to myself, like, tomorrow I'm going to get up and I go for a run. I hadn't done anything for nine months, obviously. I'll go for a run. I'll just do 5Ks and i get back into it. And I remember having these thoughts. It was like the, the hero's return. It was like a Rocky movie. Mu- music kicks in. It's like, tomorrow I'm going to do it. And this was my little Harijuku moment. Mm. It, was, it was, I mean, I've told this moment in about, you know, two or three minutes. But it was enormous, and I and I still to this day remember the memories of just lying in bed, going, "Nah, that's it. I'm Enough. done. Enough. I'm I'm into it." So I run five k's the next day. I think it took me about an hour and a half or something like that. <laughs> it was the slowest five k's that any man has ever done, and it, and that literally from that day on, everything else is history. Like I never ever looked back. From then, it was like as simple as that. It was very powerful, and some might say, "Yeah, harsh." And I think my grandfather's generation, and that's how they did things. He was a man of his word. He was not, you know, a spade was not a shovel or a mm. set of hedge trimmers. It was definitely a shovel. And I just, I got a genuine serve, and he didn't give a rat's ass who was sitting there. And that was enough. And I think if it was delivered from anybody else, I'm not sure I would have listened. Yeah. And that obviously came from all the whole, that message from him to you would appear that it's come from such a place of love, right? To mm. be able to say, I need you to hear this mm. because I love you. Yeah. And because you, I care about you, mm. but you need to hear this because you need to hear it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's incredible. Yeah. It was very, um, yeah, it was brutal at the time. It got right into the, yeah, right into the center. And, um, yeah, rung the bell, that's for sure. It was pretty close to the action, that one. And so you, from that moment, mm. you get, I guess, without dramatising it, you get your life back on track. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that, do you think that fuels your purpose to help, to be that person in other people's lives? Yeah, I think, I'm, I'm not sure 
that's the major uh, – it's definitely a contributor. So mm. I can confidently say whilst, you know, I spent nine months in, you know, not in wellness, mm. I wouldn't call it disease. It probably wasn't too far off. But I, I had a glimmer, a peek behind the curtain, mm-hmm. I think, of what life can be like for people that, um, yeah, belief in self is is lacking, you know, self-image is not great, confidence gets a bit rattled for whatever reason. Mm. And I was very much um, feeling less than, like I'd struggle to make eye contact with people. It was always, you know, when the question of, oh, so what do you do for a living? And I used to be really proud that I was a Navy man and it's an identity to that. It, right? Oh, huge. It yep. was my label. It was my, you know, story when I'd go to a party or something. Yep. Like, what do you do for a living? And it was always exciting. And now I had this almost like tarnish, this big cross against my name. It was like, well, you were this and you could have potentially been Being this, police, but you but decided to be an absolute muppet. Mm. And so I had that. And, and so that led me down the pathway of... Yeah, and I think to immaturity and things like that and inability to take responsibility and ownership. I was very much, it was everyone else's fault and sure. um, like a lot of people. So I didn't really have that ability to, to have that self-governance. And so alcohol was easy to get hold of. I had a natural uh, propensity to it. So that didn't help either. And the rest is... Is that the culture is, in the Navy? Look, it was. Yeah, it really was. It was a power drinking culture and everything revolved, you know, going to the college, it was, we were, were bathed as a word I'd probably use in stories of, you know, when you go to Singapore, you do this. When you're in Hawaii, this is the bar to go to. Yeah. When you're in Thailand, you do this. And of course, it's sensationalized and glorified. And, and to be honest, I didn't need much encouragement. I was like, point me in the right yeah, direction. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. And then in that nine-month period, are mm. you are you just escaping all of that discomfort through that or are you are there moments in that period of time that you can remember whereby you're grieving or whereby you're struggling just to like to have those conversations with yourself or are you that far away from the pain that you're just you're just turning to the vices? Yeah, that's a really good insight, Richard. No, and I actually think you're right because I was just thinking then when you first asked the question and then when you finished with that, yeah, I felt very disassociated. Yeah. It was like the pain and everything was in a lovely little chest of drawers, like very far away. Yeah. And I was over here being Jack the Lad and life of the – well, at least I thought I was life of the party. Other yeah. people probably got a different perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But not until – that moment with your grandfather mm. that you're having that conversation with yourself almost. Yeah. I just, to, to really summarize it, it was just, I just felt like an embarrassment, like a complete and utter failure. And I didn't have the wisdom or the, the ability to have an objective view. I was so subjective as like, you are an absolute shit kicker. Like you are a window licker. You are an embarrassment. Like what a, you know, who goes that far and then does that? It's like, oh, you do. So it, it was horrible. That that sort of inner dialogue, and I, I remember it clearly. Mm. Like I, I remember it very clearly. It was horrific. What would you tell to your younger self now? What would you tell to that kid who's, I guess, even when you first got that news from the police to say that you weren't mm. going to cut it because of your own actions, mm. and then also through that period of nine months, what do you? What would you be telling you? Telling someone, let's say, in that same moment or telling yourself yeah. in that moment. 
Yeah, that's another. after the experience, after everything you've learned now. Yeah, so that oh, that's a very yeah, another great question. This is good. Twenty years of twenty years <laughs> of life experience, right? Yeah. To then, what would you go back and how how what would you be saying to yourself? Yeah, I think the very first thing, and we touched a little bit on our conversation on the phone the other day, is that things are never one sided. Uh, they they never are. I mean, hindsight, hence the saying, is a luxury. When yeah. we can look back, like I can look back now. First thing that springs to mind is I think that that recruiter, whilst like I really liked it, we had a great relationship, she was lovely with me, but that delivery was harsh, you know. I was like, oh, my God, you know. But I look back and I think she actually probably did me a favour. I didn't have the maturity to be a man of the law. Like I would have made a mistake eventually and, it, you know, given my history as a young man, it probably wouldn't have been great. Mm. So I think to myself... I was more than likely not suited for the job as well. And so whilst I had ticked the boxes, and that was probably largely due to my physicality, my my military background, the recruiters had favoured me, I think there would have been carnage on the horizon. Mm. So that's the luxury of hindsight. Advice I would give now is I would look for the other side. It's like, and, and what I mean by that, when we have these negative, or when I have ne- negative experiences in my life, even if it's emotions, even if I'm really sad, you know, there has to be somewhere in my life where I'm happy. It's just I can't see it mm. at the time because I'm so subjective. I'm like, I'm so sad about, you know, whatever. The dog's not well. So I'm, I'm like really upset about that. And in that moment, it takes a very wise mind to be able to see that. But there's also so many things that are not sad. Like I've had so many great years with this dog and by the way, my dog's fine if anyone's <laughs> concerned. This is, this is metaphoric. Yeah. yeah, this is me trying to be very clever. Um, dog's fine. Uh, but, you know, we perhaps are blinded to the fact that there's so much in life to be happy about. Yeah. And so, and it can be a, an event as well. Hmm. Like I've got something happening that's really challenging and really, re- like really adverse. But in that moment there's also so many things that are not challenging. So there's the equal complementary opposite. And I think, and again, I apologise if I pronounce this wrong, I didn't do classical studies at high school or uni, but I think one of the um, the ancient Greek philosophers was, uh, is it Herculitis or Her- you know, one of those guys? I know it's not Aristotle, but I think it's Herculitis or Herculitis. He believed that even 2,500 years ago, that there were always complementary opposites happening mm. at all times, daytime, nighttime, man, woman, up, down. You know, sad, happy. Sad, happy. Light, dark. Positive, negative. Yin, yang. Yin, yang. Yeah, exactly. Great, great example. The different theories, and depending on who you talk to, think that they can't happen at the same time, but there's an overwhelming support of that they are actually happening all of the time, mm. and that hence balance. Mm. You know, in chemistry, things have got to balance Mathematics, the numbers have to, you know, it has to add up and balance and equal. Um, And this is no different. It's the ecosystem. It's the balancing of it all. Yeah, the dichotomy of of what's going on. And dichotomy, to my understanding, is complementary opposites. Mm. So so I look for that now. And so the advice I'd give is a very long answer. I apologize, Richard. So the answer I would give that, that, you know, 25-year-old is I'd say, buddy, just slow down a little bit, pause, have a little look. 
look for all the benefits and opportunities that have come out of what is perceived as a, as a real setback. Mm. But, yeah, even it up. Look for the setbacks. Look for the drawbacks. Look for the negatives mm. and balance that all up. And, yeah, balance the perception. Yeah, I like that. And I think when we're under stress, there's enough research to show that our aperture, uh, mm. the, what we focus on, it mm-hmm. becomes really narrow. Mm-hmm. And so you are only just looking at the fact of that my dog is really unwell mm. and nothing else is actually relevant or nothing else is coming through into your actual vision mm. uh, or in, in certainly in your mind's eye with dealing with uh, a very, very stressful or unfortunate or uh, difficult moment. Mm. And the strength, to your point, is to be able to broaden that aperture yeah. and Oof. to be able to see the periphery and to go, yeah. okay, it's not just this problem. Mm. There's all this other stuff that, that is good as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but as I said to you on the phone, like it's so challenging still, like even with that knowledge, to be able to just roll with the downs, mm. like to go, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure this is this is horrendous. This is a really really bad outcome. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm so stoked because there'll be something there'll be something good from it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've just broken my leg. Oh, this is incredible. Uh, this is, this is exactly what I needed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or uh, yeah. But I guess it's it's being kind to yourself to to have the strength to know that that will happen. Yeah. You will see the good of it. Mm. And as I said to you with with Michael Jordan's gym uh, strength and conditioning coach, how he mm-hmm. talked about just. Just taste the canvas, right? When you get knocked down, mm. taste the blood in your mouth, taste, smell the canvas and just be there for a moment so you can really absorb that feeling and not just be so reactive to go, how do I get out of this, mm. this discomfort? Because to your point of the yin and yang, like you've got to have, the relationship has to be equal. You've got mm. to, to feel joy, you've got to have something to compare it against. Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? And so mm. then there's some value in going, you don't want to cower in the corner and just be victim the, your entire existence after that experience, after that, let's say traumatic event, but mm. you want to be able to go, okay, what are the sensations here? Mm. This is sad. I am unhappy. I am mm. traumatized or I'm dealing with this. It's, a, mm. it's not ideal, but it is, a, that it is some sort of experience mm. and I've got to absorb it, feel it. Uh, and so that I can use that to my benefit yeah. going forward. Yeah. So well said it, like it, I love that when you said that the other day on the phone. I'm like, that's one of the best things I've heard in a long time about that Michael Jordan. Yeah, so good. Mm. Like just a really good um, suggestion mm. and thought process. Like we just don't do that. And I, and even to to piggyback off what you're talking about, Richard. Like I I look at all the self help books and the the positive psychology and self-development books of which I'm a major fan don't don't get me wrong like my my bookshelves are full of them and I think god they've made some money but as as I've sort of aged and and talking about this objectivity you know not getting caught up with the narrow view I think to myself there's not many people that talk about that the actual you know it's all good to 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 force and you know all this positive thinking and challenge the negative thinking and be steadfast with your thoughts and it's like well buddy it's not that easy you know like we're not going to go through life without setback you know it's going to come in thick and fierce and i've got a life that is absolutely sprayed with it's a shit fight like an absolute shit fight and i would be 
naive to think that that's not going to stop. Like it's, and if anything, it's going to magnify as I sort of, in my personal life, you know, try and be more successful and climb the ladder and the things that I do. Achieve more. Achieve more. It's, it's going to come at a come higher cost. 100%. And, uh, yeah, I'd be and it's silly. And view, I guess, it's the, it's the view I think is a dangerous one to say, I want to try to avoid oh. those difficult moments or those challenges. Like, yeah, how do I how do I pivot my mind so that I don't need it? I don't mm. have to deal with it. But it's, mm. as you said, like you've to achieve more or to keep... Uh, to keep broadening what we're able to do yeah, comes with, it's that balance. You've got it. There is a cost and yeah. you're going to experience that the, unless you dream, unless you have no aspirations, <laughs> you're going to have setbacks. Mm, that's and that's right. the purpose of the purpose of setting a goal and going after it is that it's not, there is risk. Yeah. And I'd love to talk to this now, right? Is the sense that, this weekend coming, you've got a world record attempt. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, which, as I understand it, is how many full le- uh, push-ups? Is that how it is? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think um, like chest, yeah, chest to ground push-ups. You're right. Yeah, full push-ups. Yeah. In an hour. In an hour. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and we talked about like I think that's a great goal, in the sense that it's a great example of something to do mm. in for everyone to take away from, right? Mm. Because for a goal to be achieved, a goal worth achieving, mm-hmm. there has to be some risk that it's not possible. Yes. Or you won't achieve it, mm-hmm. right? And therefore that opens the door to the possibility of all of what we talked about, all the bad, the negative, the, yeah. the, the downside, the trauma, the <clears throat> things didn't go to plan. Mm-hmm. Um. Whereas if it was a lock, and I think you down you you've downplayed your own this this goal itself because <laughs> you are in a physical condition that you're very confident you can achieve it. Mm-hmm. So at the moment the record is uh, or eight hundred eighty four or eighty six. I, I always forget. Hopefully it's one it's of those. Not within a few. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't come yeah. down to a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but based on your training, your preparation, your mental strength, mm. you. Uh, quietly confident that you'll be able to do it. Yeah, for the first time. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yep. And you – but there is – and I can appreciate, though, there is an element of, well, if I can do it, then it mustn't be that that um, spectacular. Yeah. Because you don't feel as – because you've done a number of world record attempts uh-huh. previously. Yeah. Some successful, some unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. How – yeah, talk to me why this is different because – you're more confident than you have ever been in achieving it. Yes. Why do you think then um, are you less amped because of that? It's still a world record. It's still something that no one on the planet has ever done, you know, if you achieve it. Yeah. But just because you're able to do it, you've, you've designed your body in a way that you're able to do it. Yeah. It's so interesting. I wish I wish I could give a very tangible answer. I. It, because there's a number of things that spring to mind. I, you are right. I, I water it down a little bit. And in a very quick example, I was bench pressing another day, uh, the other day, with a friend of mine, and he took the Mickey out of me. I've only, I've just all these push-ups have really helped my bench press. No, by the way, yeah. So just shout out anybody that wants to. Like I've been trying to grow my chest since I was about twelve. <laughs> it just doesn't grow. So, but I've fallen in love with bench press, and so it, it's it's started to get quite good, you know, significant weight for a fella my size. 
And so we were putting some weights on the other day and a mate of mine laughed at me. Now, he is literally three times Jack. the size of me. He is enormous, big Maori guy. And he said, oh, should I put 150 on the bar for you and started laughing? I said, no, I can't do 150, but I'll do 130, which I thought's great for me. And then he said, man, you're just so strong. And then I said to him, yeah, I am, but to give perspective, I remember bench pressing at about the age of 14 or 15. So I'm 45. So there's You've been bench pressing for 30 years. Yeah, but, and it's grown <laughs> quarter of an inch. So we, we've had 30, 30 years of water under the bridge and I, I watered it down and I said to him, mate, I've been doing it for 30 years. Mm. So imagine if you had been doing something for 30 years. So. I would like to think that there would be, you know, some significance and, you know, some level of mastery, some understanding, you would be in the top 5% of the people you're hanging out with. And he said, oh, yeah, I didn't think of it like that. So, you know, moving the lens over to the push-ups, you know, I can think back to being 16 at the Naval College and trying to have a push-up competition with the instructor and getting like two or something like that. But again, I was 16. Mm been doing push-ups for a very long time and so and i think of the thousands we did at the naval diving school just getting absolutely beasted and crushed with push-ups and i think well it seems all a bit organic really that i this i should have some level of competence with push-ups and i think that lends itself to the the calm sort of serene approach I have to the weekend, whereas other things I've done, I've really like you know I chased Kane Eckstein's world record for um, strict pull ups. Like this this body's not designed for pull ups, but somewhere in between my brain and my mouth, I thought, well, you know, surely I could I could do eight thousand pull ups. I and mean, it turns out after three attempts, I'm a, I'm a mile off the mark. So this particular one, it just seems kind of organic and, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that. And, but I think it's something that I hope in hindsight you were able to reflect on it pending its success to be mm. able to go, that was pretty cool though, right? Because mm. there'll be a time in your life that you won't be able to do Correct. a thousand push-ups in an hour. Mm. Um, and for you to reflect on that to say, and <clears throat> maybe there is some other person in the world that could do 2,000 an hour but hasn't mm. tried and you've got to be able to wrestle with that. He'd be from Sippy Downs or something like that <laughs> for sure. He's, he'd, be, he'd be some, yeah. it, and it would be a, a woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lady from Narimba just yeah. coming in hot. <laughs> oh, I can see it now. Yeah, yeah. It'll be but, right. But, you know, all, power to it. all you can do is... Um, is do your best. Right. And yeah. And if that's the current world mark, mm. then that's brilliant. Yeah. Look, and I think the more I hear you talk about it too, Richard, the, the more I think a lot of it as well. I think the things that I'm proud of, and I know you would understand this with what, you, what you've done and what you've achieved and being a world champion, is that it's so much more than the event. So whilst the event, I have a serene and calm approach. Um, you know, it's one of the many plates I'm spinning. And like at the same time, you know, opening up a, another business in Noosa and business in Warana and it, it, there's a documentary. Like there's all these things and I've got three children. I mean, the list goes on. Mm. It, it, and I think that when mature adults 
like ourselves and others like us that are going after something that's bigger than them, but they're also juggling, they're spinning the plates. And I think that deserves a tip of the hat. You know, I think well done to those people. Mm. Um, I definitely think Guinness needs to have a separate book for world records of fathers of three. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's let's plan it. Well, we geez, can, I might get on the cover of that a one. Few of them. Yeah, I, I can send them a photo, a suggested pick for the cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you're right, and and that's the value, right? And mm. I'd love to talk about though with those spinning plates about what we discussed, sort of like the cost. Mm. of high performance or the cost of pursuing something because Mm. similar to the yin and yang, you can't take, I guess, energy out of one bucket without removing the energy from another. And so how do you manage that with being, you know, all those those hats? Yeah. Um, Look, I understand a little bit and I won't go too far down this pathway because there'll be obviously lots of um, differentiating views on it. I, I, like I'm very aware of like my values. What do I value? What's really important and what's a high priority? And, you know, my business and the, the community and the network within my business is very high. And so it would get the lion's share of my attention and focus. Um, I live by a schedule and an agenda and l- literally I, I schedule in down to the wire when, when I'm meditating, you know, when my daughter's getting time, when my son's getting time. One, I mean, some may argue that's micromanaging, but that's how my world works. And that ensures that I'm sort of spreading that attention, which is such a scarcity mm. um, throughout my my world. And and that's how how I do it. And it, and it seems to work. But you're right, you know, there's some areas that would be really lacking um, in attention, but uh, but I, I literally just do my best to ensure that they these areas are getting touched. But I, I certainly start with, like, those highest valued areas, which is, you know, my health, my mental health, the, the business and things like that, my education and learning, and then it kind of hierarchies its way through there. Mm. Um, and that seems to work in my world. Yeah, I like that, and I like the I like the use of the calendar or the the use of the proactively apportioning time ahead of it because yeah. that's the intention bit that you just talked yeah. about at the start, right? To go, I'm intentionally creating time and energy for this, this, and this, yeah, rather than right. just rolling through the day and going, well, see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I could sit here and waffle off Parkinson's law and the law of vacuum and all these lovely mm. phenomenons, universal laws that are out there. But essentially in my mind, if I don't schedule that time, it'll get gobbled up by something which will generally be a distraction or somebody else will slam what they want in that time. Mm. So it's like, well, you know, I can't do that because I'm picking up my daughter from school. I can't do that because that's when I'm that's when I'm bench pressing with my friend. You know, I can't yeah. do that. And then and I put my high priorities in first and then everything else goes in around it. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot. Well the question I first have for you is why world records mm. on that side of that on that spe- specific plate that's spinning? Why do that for you? Um I think it's quite, it's 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 a, a pathway I've found myself on. The so I was a competitive amateur boxer. Uh, at that time, I was also navigating 
uh, a very bad relationship with alcohol. So I loved to party and I binge drinked and that was my sort of thing. Um, so I, I was one of those people that used alcohol for celebration and disaster. So if I did well at a tournament, I'd celebrate for four days. <laughs> so if you won the boxing, yeah. you'd, you'd, you'd drink for four days. And yeah. if you lost, you'd drink for four, four days. Four days, yeah, <laughs> that's right. And so it was two different sides of the same coin. Um, and so that was my sort of early 20s, uh, teenage years as well. Mm. And then I got right into CrossFit when it first started. Okay. And I think I did the one of the first coaches courses when it came to Australia. It would be 20 years ago, close to 20 years ago. And so I got right into that, made it to the regionals as an individual back when normal people could actually go and whereas now it's like superhuman people. And I felt like I was competitive, like I was doing well. Mm. Ultra marathons as well I've sort of done since I was in my early 20s, yeah. been on the podium a handful of times and, and was competitive and doing well. And then I found as I aged, these sports that I love, I mean, I see there's like masters boxing in Australia is huge. Um, that wasn't a thing. Mm. And I used to think, you know, boxing when you're a bit older is dangerous. And now I actually need my brain for my profession. So I've got, a lot, I've got that spinning. So we've got to look after it. Um, CrossFit, no chance. Got more chance of flying in the air than competing <laughs> with it. Well yeah, they're doing well there. So then, you know, these ducks are, are dropping at a great rate of knots. And then I'm a big fan of blazing my own trail. Mm. And that started with a thing that I would call journey running. Like I ran from Melbourne to the Sunshine Coast. I ran New Zealand three times, UK twice, Western Australia, around Tasmania. And I, yeah, so I would, I love this average of 80Ks a day. And then the likes of Ned Brockman and some of these other, like uh, Tim Franklin's running around the world at the moment. And then I kind of think, ah, oh, well, I'm not really that special anymore. This is not really – it's lost that exclusivity for me in my mind. And whilst that might sound a little bit self-absorbed, it's a little how my mind works. Mm. It's like that trail that I was blazing by myself, or what, at least I thought by myself, is now it's – a, it's a public walkway. Mm. So I'm like, right. And so I started looking at the world records. And I think I've maybe had a crack at about 12, I think something like that, 12 or 13. Mm. Um, but I'll be honest, you know, even that now I'm starting to think, okay, maybe it's time to look at something else. Mm. Um, but I think that's that's probably the most honest answer I can give you. Mm. It, it was like where's the exclusivity? It's like you said, no one's, you know, someone's done it. This is the best in the world. Okay, I'll try that. Mm. Um, and that seems to suit me at my age at the moment and, and where I'm at while, whilst I can. Mm. Yeah. Um, because I, I like it in the sense that there is such a, it's so polarizing mm. the, the event in the sense that you can, you either win or you either get it or you don't. Yeah, that's right. Right. It's not like business or a relationship or where the goal is to stay in business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stay in the relationship. Hang in there, buddy. Yeah. You can't win business, right? But yeah. you can definitely win a world record. Correct. Or yeah. earn it. Um, yeah. But the, what comes with that is the risk of not. That's right. Yeah. And and so how do you or how have you dealt with that in the sense that you've you put it out there in the world that yes, I'm going for this mm. and then you don't achieve it. Yeah. How do you how do you manage through that? Yeah, that's evolved a lot for me over the years. And where I'm sort of at now is I've really fallen in love 
with the process and the journey. And like I, excuse my terminology, but I'm like a goals whore. Like I love them, goals for everything. Um, and where I'm at now, I I tend to establish a goal. It's like I, like I need something. I need a where am I going? I need some kind of coordinate. And it's like here I am. Okay, this is the goal. And then I'll grab it and I'll pop it away. And then I think, okay, what do I need to do to get there? What's the process? What's the journey? What am I doing every single day that's going to increase the probability of me getting that? Mm. And what it seems to have done for me, Richard, is it's turned down the dial of like the emotional roller coaster. Like if I feel like, oh, I'm moving the needle close. I trained so well today, the, the needle's moving. Um, or, you know, subsequently it's the 180. Oh, geez, I just trained like shit or I ate, you know, a whole packet of Tim Tams watching Yellowstone. Like, oh, my life, I can't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm a failure, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, then, then the needle's moving the other way. So I'm off that roller coaster. It's right. like, okay, all I need to do, drink four litres of water, get eight hours sleep, you know, make sure I, I'm, I'm doing training, um, which is just sort of a default. So it's like it, it's these little micro things. And what seems to happen for me now is I've fallen in love with that process and I've noticed how that's kind of perpetuated out into my life. Mm. I think better, you know, and even if I think, like if I, if I even bring it right down to, a, I suppose, a physiological level or a neurological level, getting more oxygen to my brain, neurons are firing better, I can have better conversations, I'm generally in a much better mood and that's all because I'm following a process and a journey to get to a, desti- a, a destination. Yeah. So the destination almost becomes, yeah, it's there. It's there at the start and then it's I take enough, It's enough to almost uh, warrant the journey or create the journey. That's right. But it's but certainly it's the journey that's... And I've, and I've fallen in love with that. And I heard, I don't know if it's a saying or something, it's like if you speak to somebody that climbs a mountain, they're not a lot of the time they're not going to share about the view. It's the climb that got there. They remember yeah. hanging off a tree by one arm and grinding and grunting and beasting their way up there on all fours yeah and the view yeah the view is nice yeah but the climb was what most people remember yeah i butchered a moment when i was talking to my good friend nick quinn on this show Mm. about that uh the one thing that someone like you and me the worst thing that can happen at the top of that mountain Mm. is that there are no more mountains to climb oh jeez. you know (laughs) that's it right yeah because you're not doing it the, the value is the climb. Mm. So the best thing that can happen is just another mountain mm. to go up, right? Yeah. Because that's what's... And I find, I mean, there's a balance between being able to be, uh, to give yourself uh, the compliments or at least understand the self-value of, of what you achieve. Mm. But even in here, mm. like with what we've done in the firm mm. and where we were recording, like you look back at three months ago, this was a shell. Yeah. Six months ago, it was a dream. Nine months ago, it didn't exist. Yeah. And then you look look around, you go, man, this is this is incredible. Yeah. But it's not how I think. It's yeah. like I just want the next mountain. Yeah. Like, it's not like I'm not interested in in reflecting on what's been achieved because mm. I'm not doing it for that. I'm all I'm wanting, like you said, is to have the purpose to climb mm. and the journey mm. of the next thing. And it's not. And I used to be real uh, when i even was a kid i was like i'm definitely not going to be the person that is i'll be happy when i achieve x right mm. or when i drive this car or when i have this much in the bank yeah but it's it's very i'm very aware now that i am only happy 
when I'm on a journey towards something. Yeah, how good is that? Whatever that is. Do you know what I mean? And it oh. doesn't matter. Like it's irrelevant. Mm. It's irrelevant what that is, what that goal, what, what you want to achieve mm. truly because yeah. you, you get it. And you go, you, you know, okay, I got it. Yeah. You know, it's not going to fulfill you, whatever that is. <laughs> Looking around at the top of the mountain. We go, these other mountains on it. We're done. Yeah. You're cooked. Whereas, yeah. you you know, the the the, the, the journey of that, oh, yeah, of that mountain is is the relevant piece. Yeah. And so. So good. But I do love, and we talked about it the other day, about the man in the arena. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that by putting yourself out there for an attempt for, and these people like Ned, like Tim, like you, when you are placed at a position where you can win or fail, mm. that's you in the arena. Mm-hmm. And you are, by the sounds of it, always prefer to be that person mm. than be in the stands. Yeah. Casting your own judgment <laughs> on the person in the arena. Yeah. Yeah, I like, yeah, I certainly, yeah. I, I think I've, I've, I've done like a, a support crew Role once. <laughs> it's certainly not, yeah, something I would pride myself on. I, uh, yeah, I love being in there yeah. and, and everything that goes with that. Um, and yeah, I love love all the stuff you shared there, just about a journey. It's just it, it just really resonates with me like very deeply because uh, for me, it's just so much more than the actual event. The event is. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't call them insignificant. It's just there's so much more that's not the event. Mm. You know, my self-belief, I, I, you know, I spent a lot of my youth with such a, low self-belief, low self-image. You know, I could look in the mirror and really be dissatisfied with what was, you know, talk about the man in the mirror and the man in the arena. I'd be looking at my reflection and really dissatisfied with what I saw. Um, self-confidence, self-esteem, how much I valued myself was very low. And so through this journey of all these different little things, whilst it's dressed up as an athletic endeavour, it represents so much more for me. Um, And that's been phenomenal. I'd be forever grateful that my body's been able to do some of these things, win or lose. It's Mm. like, wow, what I've got from it is is you you can't, we can't, I can't pay pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Can't go up to Audi and... (laughs) <laughs> chuck a few pineapples over the counter like this Just stuff they're, they're, they're earned these mm. things are earned I think the, the the goal then or the the what you're trying to achieve is finding a goal that resonates with you uh, it's it's not probably not surprising that people struggle mm. in the goal setting stakes to and probably the reason why they, they become they become sheep or they become just uh, happy with the monotony mm. because you uh, you need a goal that aligns with your values. Mm-hmm. You need a goal that is big enough for you to be motivated mm-hmm. and and provide that discipline, mm-hmm. but not too big that it's unachievable or mm. that it's that even your own mental strength can get around head around. Yeah, and and you also obviously want need to want it, mm. and then you set those parameters up. You've got the goal. Mm. that will fuel the journey, which is obviously the reason why we're doing it in the first place. Mm. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's not nothing to find that right drive. Yeah. And I think you're right. When 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 things are lined up through those particular, you know, those different lens, values, you know, what's important, we are more resilient. You know, we can roll with the punches yeah. when things are not going our way. 
um, we can take the setbacks, we can be hit back a little bit and like, oh, Christ, you know, we've got that that tenacious resolve, you know, the belief mm. is or is undoubtable. It's always going to be there, mm. you know. The, the, the dial might get turned down a little bit, but we're, we're, I've found in my experience it's, it's given me the ability to hang on. I think about... I mean, people people often ask me about mental toughness. They say like, "Oh my God, your mental toughness!" And I'm sure you've been asked this six and a half thousand times. And I think you know, if I could summarize mental toughness, it's just it's just being able to focus on the task, keep keep your focus there. And and, and I literally think that having that something to focus on, hold the focus. It's like the longer the people that last the longest are the ones that can focus on the task at hand. Mm. As soon as we give in to, you know, whether we want to call it the inner critic, inner dialogue, um, negativity bias for all the psychologists out there, um, we're done. Yeah. But if you can hold that focus, it's it's those ones, the, yeah. the tenacious people that believe so strongly in, what, in their journey, their process towards that outcome, that objective, that goal, in business, life, fitness, athletics. Mm. Um, yeah, they're the mentally tough ones. Mm. Yeah, really, really well said. The purpose comes into it, I think. And yeah. if you've got, you know, the that, that inner critic, those doubts, the way you talk to yourself when in those difficult moments, if the purpose isn't aligned or if you're not truly sold on it, then you're going to cave because it's yeah. not worth it. Right? That's right. Like, um, you know, it's the same reason why we brush our teeth every day or twice a day mm. because – we know that the pain of getting an infected tooth and going to the dentist is is yeah. far worse than yeah. than not uh, than not just enduring two minutes or four minutes a day yeah. of brushing your teeth. You <laughs> know, like I mean? a confession so, session. Yeah, right. yeah, I'm about I'm about three minutes and some mouthwash. There you go. Yeah, and yeah. so yeah, you 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 you're rather the the drive or the purpose of your actions mm. need to be strong. Mm. Otherwise, you'll when it gets challenging, you know, and that's. The exa- a great example I feel for me is about this place is that I had, um, I mean, I won't go into too much detail, <laughs> but, the, you know, we had this purpose of what we're trying to achieve here, mm. right, both in the podcast studio and the law firm. And um, I was, it's, it was a pivot from sport, but it was very much of a belief that I wanted to achieve and, yeah. and continue to. And then uh, it was about the financing of the, of the whole operation and we had I had this pathway to get the finance in a way that we thought was a lock mm. and it was getting to the end of last year and the fit outs already started leases already signed mm. employment agreements already entered into and then for uh, I guess an oversight outside of my control that option mm. was no longer in existence and so then for a moment we had no finance mm. and I had all this Liability and exposure. Yeah. I took a deep breath for you just there. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then I still get, I reflect on that because it was probably two or three minutes, literally time of two or three minutes where I was. Mm. This is over. Mm. This is no good. Wow. And this is ap- this is the aperture, right? This is where it's like That's I'm right. not seeing the broader scope of it. I'm mm. just seeing this problem, yeah. and it's now longer no longer an, an available option. Mm. And I was like, for a couple of minutes, literally only for a couple of minutes, I was like. This is a, this is the worst news. Mm. This this is no good. Wow. And then uh, and then after a f- literally after a couple of minutes, I was like, the purpose rebooted or the purpose like came through me and was yeah. like, no, you got to find a different way. 
Yeah. What's what's another way? Oh, As I, I sat down, is. worked out there was actually probably four different ways yeah. to get the money. Uh, and the second best option other than the first came off. So wow. within within a week. But it was a tight week. It was a, it was a stressful week yeah, yeah. of going. But I, it was naive of me not to have that backup either to go, uh, you know, in the front of my mind, right? Yeah. To be able to go, similar to you as a mid-20-year-old, you're no longer going in the police force. Mm. For you to go, that's okay. I'm going to go, this is my next step. Yeah. But you didn't have to even contemplate that. No. It was just like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm done. And then yeah. they say you can't and you're like, oh, man. Oh, God. And I, you know, uh, but I, it took me a few minutes to go, okay, what are the other options here? Yeah. And do, then, you, do, do, do you think a lot of that that sort of mindset you that you have here, Richard, you think you get a lot of that through, you know, your your fitness endeavours, your – Yeah, Does that think, develop that Yeah, I do. I think also you've got to be – you've got to have come up against some adversity. Yeah. That resilience, that training. It's a strength training, right? Yeah. Your brain <laughs> almost. Yes. And you can probably, you can, to a certain degree, you can probably simulate uh, that endurance mm. by, you know, I don't know, putting yourself through the rigors of cold plunge or yeah, uh, underwater breath holding or putting yourself in challenging situations to see how your brain reacts. Yeah. Um, but nothing is more... Uh, nothing is more of a lesson than life experience. Yeah, and dealing with uh, really challenging moments. Yeah, that I think helps. Yeah, totally. I've, I've had this always it ticking in the back of my mind. It's like endurance is like the the currency of life. It's mm. like the people that have got that resilience. You know that I know it's a word that's just a hot word. It's out there, but I think when I honestly think when people truly get it. Like truly, like tenacity trumps the talent all day long. Yeah, and there's it's and then saying that as well, like, and I love that, but I think there's also um, not surprising that mm. you have fallen in love with endurance sport, mm. right? That you go do these incredible journeys of running around Tasmania mm. because that's or, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> but even even this weekend coming, it's still an endurance sport. It's strength mm. endurance, but mm. it's still you're still enduring an hour of work. Yeah. You know what I mean? And in a push sense, up every three seconds. Yes. Yeah, so oh, like, oh no! It literally, yeah. is a push up every three seconds yeah. oh, for an hour, right? And yeah. It's not surprising because it is everything. Endurance is everything, mm. right? How much can you endure? Yeah. Is essentially what we're dealing with in life, in sport, in all of it. That's right. Yeah. And by virtue of the endure, like for endurance to 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 come into play there's got to be stress mm-hmm. otherwise it's not endurance at all so mm. you need to therefore you need to embrace that and yeah. to be able to be so comfortable in that moment to go yeah this is this is what we wanted yeah. but for the firm right that everything and i oh, serendipitously like all the ducks were coming lining up in a row mm. like i don't think that anyone has it's been, it's been incredible other than that Mm. And so it was the very first thing where the fork was in it, and I was like, yeah. "This is this yeah. is no good." Yeah, you know, yeah. I've never been exposed like this, and I've been, you know, prior to this fairly risk adverse. Yeah. So it was like, okay, but yeah, I think life experiences help you manage through that. And like you said, I mean, we talked about it, and I'd love you to, before we finish up, talk mm. about that, the Viktor Frankl. Yeah. Because this is what we're talking about, right? That's when it comes right. to dealing with. Victor Frankl being the psychologist mm. and the author of um, yeah man's man's search for meaning yeah how how he deals with you know that stress yeah he has the um, he came up with the concept the psychological 
principle of, and he talks about um, stimulus and response. Mm. So something happens, uh, an event or, or anything really, there is a stimulus and it, it makes its way through all of our senses um, and then we make it mean something. <laughs> and in that little moment between stimulus and response is a space. And in that space is our opportunity to make things mean something else or to pause, to be calm, to slow down, um, process things. And there's a real beauty in that pause. Um, and essentially, yeah, it's a difference being, between responding and reacting. Um, and the more I read about it and the more I learn about this one little simple principle, um, I just think it's phenomenal mm. and can really be a superpower for all of us. Uh, I think it's easier said than done. And I think to, you know, perhaps uncomfortable conversations, heated conversations, difficult conversations, it's very hard to pause mm. and be calm and because I think, you know, who makes good decisions when we're agitated, angry or frustrated? That's right. None of no, us. Yeah. Uh, but in calm, we can make good decisions. Yeah. Time slows down a little bit. Um, in a lot of sports, you know, it's great to be calm if you can. Some sports you haven't got time to um, be calm. Um, but, yeah, in that space, that's where the magic can happen. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting an interesting principle. Jamie, this has been incredible. Uh, before you go, oh, we do you. have the Fast Five, which we ask everyone. So the first one is the number one tip for people looking to be more successful in their life. Yeah. Um, this is me trying to pause. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, these are quick fire questions, no, no, mate. No, no, Come on. Take as long as you want to yeah. answer, but they're just the Kinsia. A lot of lawyers say take as long as you want, mate. Which <laughs> <laughs> generally got, yeah, cost a bit of money. Time's costing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah take, take your time, Jamie. Yeah. You're, you're on the clock, by the way. Um, success. Look, Christ, I think, no, all roads don't lead to Rome, so I'm not going to use that one. I think. I'll speak from my experience. I, th I think mentors are important or I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, like an exemplar. And I, I think they don't necessarily have to be alive either. Um, I think given the internet and things like that today, um, you know, if you're, if, if you people fancy the Stoics and they like what Marcus Aurelius and the rest of them are going on about, there's his book meditations, there's stuff online. Yeah. Uh, I think you talked about Ryan holiday. Yeah. Um, so neither dead or alive and I think it's a bit of, you know, success leaves clues, mirroring, um, what do they do? You know, how do they eat? How do they breathe? How do they feel? How do they schedule their day? What yeah. are the things that they do and modelling behaviour and success? If you're fortunate enough and you can afford uh, a great mentor, um, then that's another option. Mm. Um, and even in, even if you're more fortunate, and you can work under a person that you're inspired by um, for whatever reason, then that's great too. Yeah. But I think I think modelling behaviour is important. And in my life, I've invested a, a lot of money in spending time with people that I just think, you know, I would, I would love to aspire to be like their behaviours, their professionalism, their attributes, character. Yeah. Um, so that's what I would suggest. Brilliant. Uh, number one tip for someone looking to be find a bit more happiness in their life. Yep, happiness. I always struggle with that word now. I had it broken down the other day. I love language, linguistic, linguistics. Someone said have penis, and so I'm like have penis. Now every time I hear happiness, have I'm like penis. Yeah, I'm yeah. like yeah, no. Okay, but anyway, the happiness, the the pursuit of happiness. 
Um, I think it's understanding and a lot of people get this. It's not a destination. Mm. And I think it's being taken an inventory of our lives and going, well, look, honestly, what truly makes me happy? Not what makes my wife happy, whilst that is important, not what makes my husband happy. And not necessarily what makes my kids happy, unless that actually makes you happy, that your kids are happy. But I think it's, what did Shakespeare say? To thine own self, be true. Like be true with yourself. Mm. What lights, what sets your soul on fire? It's like the, one of the most powerful things on this planet is a human soul on fire. You watch a somebody, you watch a watcher somebody, watch someone doing what they truly love. Yeah. You know, I, I made the reference to meeting you in person for the first time, Richard. It just, you reeked in a good way of, of the word congruence. It's like, I'm a lawyer, I'm a high performer. And as soon as I met you, I'm like, yeah, there we go. Like, look great, great firm, amazing. Like, you are congruent. You're in alignment. You are doing what you love. So I stand back and go, inspiring, mm. awesome. Thank you. So, yeah, I mean it sincerely. So I, I, I might need a lawyer soon too, by the way. So just <laughs> brown nosing. Um, but, like, legitimately, it's what do you truly love? Yeah. And fall in love with that. Lean in with that. It's not about being selfish with those things. It's about being self-full. Mm. If you love being in the ocean, go and get in the ocean and surf. If training's your thing, make your time for your training with your friends or yourself. You know, whatever. But to thine own self, be true. Shout out to Shakespeare. I love that so much. And I think to your point about the kids, let's say, or your spouse, mm. their happiness is important, right? Absolutely. But that's not the goal either, right, in the sense that you – you want to be present for them, mm. but but they're also in charge of their own happiness. Absolutely, and you really can't you can't be the best version of yourself for mm. them, mm. which is the only capacity you can be, mm. uh, unless you are true to yourself. That's right, uh, and, and and following that path. And I think I tell you who does in my experience, Richard, who who does struggle with a bit of that is is mums, especially. Like I work with a lot of mums, and the 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 they put the kids first. Mm. And I, I get it in theory, like I get it on its merit. But it's like, well, if you're miserable, mm. like the kids aren't getting a great version of their mum. You know, we use the metaphor of the when in the highly unlikely event, the plane's going down and a gas a gas mask and air mask. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, put it on yourself first. Yeah. Before the children. Yeah, because you need to be the best You need to be the best version. And it's a great metaphor. Qantas do it really well when yeah. you're flying domestically. But do you know what I mean? I think I think just be true to yourself. Mm, and I love that. Yeah. Uh, number one book, most gifted or recommended? Wow. Just one recently actually. So I'm a, a what is it called? A um, bibliophiliac. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, bibliophiliac apparently is a lover and reader of books. Okay. So I've gone from, you know, not, not a great education as a young man to being more formally educated as an adult and fallen in love with books. Great. So it's a great question. So out of a, like a, a plethora of books, most recent one by a guy, Shane Parrish. Uh, he has a website, Farnham Street, and I think his podcast is the Knowledge Podcast. Okay. He was a, a spy, a very high-level spy, um, comes from a psychological background, and he has authored a book called Clear Thinking. Um, happy to drop it off for you too because, like, I can't put it down. Yeah, wow. Unbelievable. And he dives into a lot of Viktor Frankl's Theories. principle. Oh, very difficult to put down. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, your most influential person in your life? 
Easily. Grandfather. Yeah, well. Yeah. 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 Out Which of is all a great story and I appreciate the vulnerability. Yeah, I, I yeah, I might have probably gobbled up a few minutes of that story. No, but I it loved was it. but it was I was yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, he's um wow. I've got to be very careful, I'll probably get emotional. But he he I would describe him as unapologetically masculine, but a true gentleman. Mm. Like he like in my hometown, you know, refereeing the footy, very gang affiliated dangerous to be a referee when you've got two opposing gangs um, playing against each other. But, you know, he was a little Scottish man. He didn't give a rat's ass. He was just steadfast, masculine. Two feet on the ground. Alpha male. But then in the same token, you know, I'm sure you've watched the movie The Notebook. Mm. I watched him with my grandmother. So what happened in that movie The Notebook essentially happened to my grandparents. She got – my nanny got um, Alzheimer's. He nursed her for 12 years, fed her her dinner, her lunch, you know, everything every day in the hospital, gentlemen with with um, women, manners. So that, so an alpha male but a, 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 a gentle man. He was definitely a man. That's beautiful. But, yeah, so. Great person to have. Yeah, so I was very privileged to be able to witness that and I think a lot of his attributes and that I've been very fortunate to do my best to live up to. So here I am having a crack. Beautiful. Thank and you. finally, uh, a, someone who famous or not, you would like for us to be on us to interview on the podcast. Yeah. So two people spring to mind on that actually. Um, one is, I'm not sure if you've come across Kim Morrison. Um, beautiful lady. Um, trying to think how I would explain her. Uh, very open-minded sort of thinker. She has authored a few books. She's on the Sunshine Coast. Um, has a lot of hats, but I suppose the biggest one is around self-love and self-care. Okay. Um, but I find she very much appeals to a male demographic as mm-hmm. well and a topic that is probably not generally connected with men. Um, beautiful soul. And I'll be honest with you, very funny. So if you, if you want to laugh, yeah. um, she's one there. And the other one is a, a, a Tomu, um, Watanabe, I think his surname is. He is a golf professional on the Sunshine Coast and he has a company called the Sunshine Coast Golf Centre. Um, and again, he has a very successful business around golfing and coaching golfing and has some professional golfers working with him. But he is all about everything that's not golf. Okay. And I love that. I love that. So as well. the psychological warfare <laughs> of golf, and if we think about golf very quickly, those golfers have way too much time on their hands mm. uh, to in be competition. A, in competition to yeah. be in their own minds mm. and actual time under tension in terms of the swing. I think we tried to figure it out one day. It was something like two minutes and something seconds when you total up all the swing all time, the work. all the work, and the rest is. Mind. Mind. <laughs> but he loves it. And yeah. he, he, you've got to be careful with him. You have to rein him in. He'll go off into the clouds and tell you about all sorts of stuff. But well worth the chat. They're brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. For recommendations. No, you're welcome. We'll get them on this year for sure. Oh, both. Yeah. You would not be disappointed. Yeah. yeah. Good people. Jamie Milne, this has been something special. Oh, mate. And thank you. I really you. appreciate it, especially given that we are less than a week away from your attempt. Yeah. And uh, we wish you all the best for that. Richard, and thank you very much. Everything you've got going on, all the plates. But yeah, <laughs> I'll take my two thousand plates out the door. Mate. But mate, <laughs> honestly, uh, honour and a privilege. It's been great to meet you, mate, and you're very much an inspiration for me. Honestly, so oh, thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Richard. Bro.
that was another episode of the Success Times Happiness Podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. It's currently raining really heavily outside. So feel free to listen to it when you're on your way to buying an umbrella. Until next time, peace. Thank you.